And then uh, I saw someone play, I think it was Canister maybe, a Grist combo deck. Where... How many? Is this like a lot of insects? So it's a changeling deck, of course. Beautiful. With Magda, because the Magda changeling synergy from like... Oh, the older, old I decks. saw... Yeah, yeah, I saw uh, Nassif playing this. Yeah, and so you like plus one Grist and mill a bunch, and then you ult the next turn and kill them. Because... Gris ult does damage equal to the number of insects, or maybe twice the number of insects in your graveyard. I don't remember how much damage it does. <laughs> it's cute, though. Did Wait, did he have Clock of Omens in his deck, too? Was he doing that with Magda? There was one Clock yeah, of Omens. Yeah, there, It wasn't a balls-to-the-walls Clock of Omens deck. Well, yeah, you just assume that you'll get it with Magda, because you definitely don't want to draw Clock of Omens there ever. There were four Impelia recruiters, though, which is kind of sick, because mm-hmm. you can recruit her for Grist. For Grist, yeah. You can also make Grist uncounterable with Cavern of Souls. Mm-hmm. On insect, yeah, it's really funny, right? Like his <laughs> his lands were always like turn one, one of the name something lands on dwarf, and then turn two, cavern of souls on insect. <laughs> These are the two I need them on. Yes, my two creature types. It's so good. Did Canister have the Carthus Tyrant of Jund? I didn't see it. No. Because that comes in and it untaps all of your dragons. Dragons, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, I think, is that the one that gains control of all dragons too? Or is that a different card? I think yeah, so it's really important in the mirror. <laughs> is that what we're <laughs> playing around? Well, also, I watched Nassif beat the Crack the Earth deck, not by comboing off, but just by like plinking in damage and then getting a Karthus and coming in for 14. <laughs> The Crack the Earth deck is significantly worse when everyone knows you play Mana Tithe. Yes. <laughs> it's like so bad once you're like, oh, I guess I'll just leave open a mana. Or like you draw a card of Esper Sentinel. <laughs> it's also pretty bad against Spring Leaf Drum. True. Yeah. Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 233 of the MDG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts, I'm Chris Castro-Apple, with me is Lee McLeod. Hey Lee. Hi Chris, how you doing? Good. Before we get started, we want to thank our new sponsor. We have gone a while after getting dropped by our last couple, but I think we've really hit one this time. Thank you so much to AltaFox. The hedge fund, uh, hold on, I got to scroll down and I have to find their, there it is, their slogan. We are your friends. You love John Finkel. We swear to God, we are your friends. That, yeah, good, strong slogan here. Uh, So oddly specific to one person in their company, but I guess that's what they did. Well, I mean, we do love John Finkel, right? He's fine. I guess. So yeah, good good things definitely coming from this hedge fund buying 2.5% of Hasbro and then creating a website that reads like a Reddit post. Uh, real excited to see what, what comes out of this bullshit. You lost, you lost your sponsorship at the end of that oh, sentence. Already? God, it's so fast. We can never hold on to our sponsors. I don't know what keeps happening. Oh yeah, they just DM me. We're done. Shoot. <laughs> they had deep pockets too. Yeah, they even get it our recording before we even publish it. That's that's impressive. Well, they've bugged my house, so Oh, yeah. That's some deep sponsorships right there. When you get in bed with big money, you gotta make some concessions. 
So I guess now that we no longer have that sort of money, we should get back to the podcasting grind, try to pick up those Patreon dollars where we can. Shall we talk about some Kamigawa Neon Dynasty standard tournament results? We actually have those now. So yeah. Yes. It's very exciting. We have so many of them now, including a like thousand plus person croquis tournament to pull from. I don't. I think it was only six hundred people. Was it? I thought it was. I thought it's it, still a lot of people for a, a re, like an arena tournament. For some reason, party. I thought the the cap was like ten twenty four or something like that. But I, I think that's be... what the cap is. But it did get there. Oh, I thought it did cap. But I maybe I just am completely making that. I up, spent so. so much time on mtg melee's webpage trying to find the stupid tournament so the number of players is i'm not on the page right now it's ingrained in my head okay well that's still a huge tournament so definitely some information there we've got our two challenges saturday and sunday challenge we have i mean we have five o's and stuff but we don't really need to get to that deck dump and i have been playing a bunch of arena and been watching streams so i think we can come to you with a you know here are the decks of the format here's what's going on and give a pretty strong overview and you know as always i will make my opinions known on the quality of some of these decks and as an aside for looking at mtgo 50s for results it's mm -hmm. really bad to do for standard because there's a lot of win trading in the standard queues <laughs> yeah of uh leagues and magic online it's almost as useless, or at least equally as useless, as the arena uh, deck dumps that they give. So I am actually level one tweeted today that the top 10 vintage trophy leaders are all not real people. They are all win traders in the vintage league right now. That's uh, that's kind of sad. Yeah. But I don't know that... I think vintage is much like standard, where you like play your challenge and you're hyped for it. Mm-hmm but you don't really play vintage like during the week or whatever yeah they were trophy leaders with like six to ten trophies or something like that so not, nothing crazy but still really weird and messes with queue times and is a problem for everybody and we'll go ignored and unfixed forever and ever oh man well that's <laughs> you don't have to bring religion into it <laughs> well <laughs> i think that's the only thing that's going to help at this point that that actually might be true. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, all right. So, want to start with the stand with the Saturday challenge and just kind of scroll through and talk about archetypes and positioning of archetypes in this like very quickly developing early meta game. Yeah, sure. Saturday is the one that was won by the Ors Hop deck, right? Yeah, and I actually don't love these lists. Maybe maybe it's that right now as the format has developed i don't love these lists uh so this is one particular type of deck made from the sacrifice core um although i guess this is not actually this is a, this is the like non-sacrifice black deck which is really weird to me i have seen basically two types of white black decks yeah there's the sacrifice-y ones which is all the cards we've seen forever and then there's these like I'm playing mid-range cards decks, mm -hmm. which have a bunch of wedding announcements or meat hook maskers or both in them. Mm -hmm. uh, they just kind of cruise off like individual card quality plus enchantments that are really, really strong. Yeah, so they, they're generally playing like four Luminarch Aspirant, four Graveyard Trespasser, and then like mid-rangey stuff. This one has three Henrika Dumnathi, uh, Lolth, 
probably a little better positioned than just a pure mid-rangey sacrifice deck right now, because one of the things that's really defining the metagame is the runes deck, like enchantment decks in general, but in particular the runes deck. And we will go pretty deep into that in a little bit. But you can't really have a deck full of shambling ghasts and eye twitches and hope that the like grinding the game out through weird little bodies and meat hook massacres is going to get you there against the deck that is recurring bodies and making 2020 lifelinks with trample. That deck, I think, has largely arisen because of the prevalence of sacrifice decks in the format. And so black decks going a different direction does make a lot of sense. But I just don't love these like Luminarch Aspirant mid-range decks. It doesn't feel like something I want to be doing basically ever. See, I think they look a lot worse than they play. Probably. Because like I look at this deck list and I'm like, this deck plays a bunch of Henrika Domnathi, which is like a medium card that does the thing, mm-hmm. and Legion Angel, which is the same deal. Yeah. But really, you're just... I, I swear you win most of your games off enchantments. Like, yeah. The, it's the, the wedding announcement. wedding announcement. Yeah. Meat does turns a lot of battlefields, and you're like kind of dopey mid-range deck. Mm-hmm. And the life gain and loss just adds up so much in these kind of decks not as much as the sacrifice deck obviously but it's a really good linchpin against aggressive matchups that aren't like specifically the runes deck yeah yeah for sure i mean a common theme that i think we're gonna hit on for a lot of decks here is that so i've played against this deck a bunch of times with various builds of is it and jeskai decks and it's just felt like an absolute joke like I've just, like, landed a Hinata, and they've died to it. Uh, Vanishing Verse does not kill Hinata, so I think strong arguments against Vanishing Verse right now via the existence of Hinata and also the, what is it, Chukai Naturalist, the green-white 2-2 lifelink that makes your enchantments cost one less. Vanishing Verse does not kill that either, and I think you really want your two-mana removal spell to kill that creature dead. So I... I'm not in love with like a four vanishing verse deck at this point. I think you need probably some number of just other two mana removal. But yeah, like this deck has seemed even less threatening to the the is it and Jeskai decks than the sacrifice based decks. Like Luminarch Aspirant is fine, but when it's literally the only target for a spike field hazard, it usually catches a spike field hazard. So for a kind of a point of reference in this. This is, challenge was on Saturday, mm-hmm. and we're talking about how like kind of weak it is to auras, like as a strategy. And there, the top thirty-two of this challenge goes down to two and four, which is a very low record for top thirty-two. There's <laughs> not that many players in this deck, and there's only one enchantment deck in twenty-fifth, and it's not, uh, it's not an Aya deck. It's just like a green-white deck. Yeah. So this this tournament seems to be before people started really playing the auras deck yeah and once we get to the sunday challenge that is going to change pretty significantly so you know maybe this saturday challenge is just like old results already i think it's important to look a little bit at how the metagame has shifted so despite the fact that the orzov list won the standard challenge on saturday is it was really the big winner of this event there's five of the various is it lists in this top eight and hold on let me 
storm carve 13 total is it decks in this top 32 so a big win for is it on this saturday makes a lot of sense saturday challenges are often like the slightly more conservative of the you know the crazy stuff happens on sunday and the like saturday one seems to generally be like i'm gonna put my is it shoes on and go to work with this deck that i know is good yeah i think it's standard it's it's mostly just whatever <laughs> you can draw some conclusions in the other formats that are larger but mm-hmm. nah whatever the reason is it was the go-to choice and was very successful the most common build of is it is a much more controlling version you do have your gold span dragons but you don't have any other you don't have any eggs or other like mid-rangey sort of threats you just have Hullbreaker Horrors to finish the game off, play a bunch of sweepers, and then just kind of the standard suite of instants and sorceries. Expressive iterations for card advantage, so maybe a little bit of other card drawing, and then the very good red removal and some blue counter spells. Fading Hope was really, really bad for a while, but with the enchantment decks running around, it's a little bit more defensible. And so you just try to build your reactive suite as best as possible for what you expect and the cards are really really good so is it's gonna stay good and hope breaker horror is still a pretty good card yes and it is very good as a win condition against the enchantment decks that are like super board based and particularly go super tall on one or two creatures and so your end game threat that just keeps bouncing their stuff is pretty powerful uh i do prefer hinata and magma opus because it's really fun but i think it is probably worse in the mirrors so i might stay away from that if uh you're trying to win mirrors magma opus can be pretty awkward having like hinata is strong but you only have so many slots for like the threats and goldspan dragon is kind of like the one you want and hullbreaker horror is such a a monster in the mirrors that i love magma opus hinata but may you know pick your spots for it one of the neat things i saw in a hanada deck uh, i'm not gonna find it just scrolling through these but someone was playing lorehold command which mm-hmm. is a, a card with four modes but only one of the modes is a target but it has two targets and <laughs> yes. it's the lightning helix mode because you target a player then target whatever mm-hmm. and so you get a three mana lorehold command and that's an instant i believe it is and that's pretty good that's pretty neat as long as you have hanada in play that is pretty sweet it's not a very good card when you don't have Hinata in play, though. Yes, but it's not, like, embarrassingly bad. Yes. Like, you still get... It's an instant, so... And you do get two things. I wouldn't play it if I didn't have Hinata in my deck. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course. I've definitely played uh, combination cards that were significantly worse than just, like, a, a lore hold command. Yeah, it's true. But I think, like, one of the benefits of playing this type of deck is you can play Hinata with all good cards you may not have to reach out but it is very sweet like can't fault you for doing some lore hold commanding one of the other benefits of playing white in these decks is if you want to you can sideboard farewell that is a card that the enchantment decks can't beat possibly so if you really just want to dumpster the enchantment decks that is a way of doing it i don't know that you need to especially since the popular version of the enchantment deck is the runes deck which just really struggles against anybody who draws like two removal spells in their opening hand and then like expressive iterations into a third one. So I think you might be okay in that matchup anyways, but if you really want to get them, then 
farewell is the way to do it. It's also not like a, a selling point specific to the Hanada deck. Mm-hmm. Because even though the Goldspan decks are, is it, you can like pretty easily configure your deck to be a tricolor deck. The lands are really forgiving for slow decks. Yes. So you, if you wanted to play Farewell or White Sideboard cards, people play Valorous Stance all the time mm-hmm. in Goldspan Dragon decks. You could just do that if you didn't want to play Hanada. For sure. So that's not that. Not to take away from the Hanada deck, but it's not a a niche specific to it. Right, right, right. It's just an advantage of making doing the work to have white mana available. Right. Farewell is a possible choice. Not a choice that it looks like many people made here. Although this was the day before the, the runes deck really popped off. Yeah, there's a blue-white control deck and the the following challenge that just had a ton of sweepers. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the reason that it did well is just it was beating up on enchantments pretty hard. Uh do you want to talk about the the Jeskai Goldspan combo deck? Yes. Real quick. Or... Yeah. Yeah. While we're talking, this is, while we're it's just... kind of in the same area. Yeah. Yeah. Same ultimate category. So you look at this deck at first blush. It looks. I called it a combo deck. It's pretty much just the normal blue red dragon deck. Mm-hmm. Like you've got four goldspan dragons and leers, fading hopes, all the normal blue red spells with expressive and galvanic iteration, all that stuff. And then you get to some weird cards in show of confidence and alchemist scampet <laughs> so alchemist scampet's kind of the the time warp we have left in the format it's the cleave for you you are take an extra turn if you don't cleave it you lose <laughs> uh, but show of confidence is the interesting one uh, it's a one in a white instant from strixhaven uh, when you cast it you copy it for each other instant sorcery you've cast this turn and you can choose new targets for the copies so it's basically got storm for instance and sorceries and what the card does is you put a plus one counter on target creature and it gains vigilance until end of turn. Because this card copies itself, you target your ultimate dragon. You make a million mana. With Leer, you cast everything out of your graveyard. You give <laughs> Goldspan Dragon a million more counters and then you kill them. Yep. That's like the combo. But if you don't assemble this kind of low stakes combo, there's only two show of confidence in this deck. You're just a normal blue red deck. Right. And you are a four goldspan dragon for Lear deck so you're built really well for beating up on d- creature decks on the board yeah i was actually surprised to see that this deck didn't have consider in it like even just a couple copies because mm-hmm. that card is really good if you're going for four Lear and you don't have to like you can select your situational spells a little better like dump your show of confidence or whatever into the uh, graveyard yeah I, I wonder if so this deck is playing God let me see if I and this is count. The, I'm the decklist I'm looking at currently is the second place one from Croquis tournament so that's actually the winner of the Croquis tournament because oh, it is yeah it's th- these results are a little wrong but Zan did lose in the finals of the Croquis tournament too I, huh. I I'm pretty sure this deck because this player is 14 and one and uh it was a double elimination tournament okay I I did see this decklist on Twitter so maybe I just saw it because the winner tweeted about it <laughs> yeah I think that's what it is because I know that Zan tweeted that he got second place I watched a bunch of his tournament but wasn't able to watch the finals yeah so just on the the consider point I'm just counting the number of uh Zendikar spell lands in this deck three four five six seven eight nine. 10 11 so there's 11 11 it tells you in goldfish oh okay i just didn't even 
Oh, yes. It does tell you, doesn't it? Yeah. So there's 11. So that's you know, why I let you count them all until. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate you. it. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> so there's there's 11 Zendikar lands in this deck. They all come into play tapped. And so that, you know, tilts you against playing one mana cantrips, like consider a little bit because you just, you know, a lot of turns where you could use a mana, you're playing a tap land instead. Yeah. That's fair. The last time I saw a consider Lear deck was mostly just blue black. Yeah. We kind of have nearly as many stretching for playables too. Hey, there's this one diehard who keeps playing it in the challenges and they'll never stop. (laughs) It's also a Sedgemar witch deck, right? So you have to have consider. Yeah. So my first match that I played trying the runes deck out, like the runes deck really defines the Sunday tournament and is you will play against it like 50% of your matches on ladder if you're playing arena. So just that's why I'm talking about it so much. But my first match trying out the runes deck, I played against this combo deck, and I don't know if I've ever felt quite as hopeless playing a match of Magic the Gathering. A blue control deck that with like an explosive finish. Yeah. Yeah. And they just killed all of my stuff. I did steal a game two because I was on the play and cast turn three showdown of the skulls into like a slightly awkward mana draw. So I managed to steal that one. But boy, when we just like... I played creatures, they played removal spells into Goldspan Dragon, and then I had no board and a hand with three auras in it. Didn't feel very winnable from there. Yeah, I, I really like, I don't know the name of this player, it's CFT Sock, but I this is the first time I had seen this deck list. Yeah, it's, it's sick. super cool. I uh, imported it, but I'm out of rare wild cards, and I don't have two Alchemist Gambits, so... <laughs> <laughs> so you're stuck. <laughs> I need to do a couple of drafts, I guess. I've got like 40 mythic wild cards. Need another cycle of mythic lands. <sighs> just, man, Arena's just burning me a lot lately and well, everybody else. This would have gone a lot better uh, in terms of fixing Arena if you hadn't burned our sponsor bridge. <sighs> yeah, I mean, they're still going to fix it, right? Like even without us, they can do yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. They don't need us. Yeah, Alta Fox forever. That's their name, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, so this deck is is great. At least it's super cool. I'm not sure if it's better and is probably slightly worse in mirrors than kind of a more focused deck just because you trade resources and then drawing show of confidence is or Alchemist Gambit is not your best possible uh, honestly, draw Sometimes step. even drawing Shajiri Seltzer is not that great. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Which is a land... So it's not the end of the world, but so so game one, you're pretty likely to resolve your goldspan dragon and then they have to solve it. And so the the Sajiri shelter is really good there. But I will say one thing that Sajiri shelter does not solve is channel lands that take out your goldspan dragon because those are colorless. Yep. So I Ganjo in particular, deals four damage to an attacking creature and does not give them... I mean, you have to wait for them to attack with the Goldspan Dragon to use it, so it's similar to the target trigger, but y- you can't really stop it, except with Valor Stance, but... Or Show of Confidence. Plus one, plus one. Ooh, that's <laughs> true. That w- it would be pretty incredible if you could just, like, leverage a Show of Confidence to save a Goldspan <laughs> <Yeah>. Dragon. <laughs> Generally, though, in the like is it matchups like the most of the is it decks their gold spend dragon is going to die to the aganjo cancel and there's not a lot they can do about it rough all right i think is that it for is it decks yeah i think so you know you can play 
Goldspan Dragon, Hullbreaker Horror Control decks. You can play Hinata, Magma Opus. You can play this thing. Those are kind of the general. Uh, you got to pick your sweeper, sweet. Just match it up to what you're expecting to play against. Don't play the Celestis. Everybody has one. I don't understand why. You're just like making all of your mirror opponents of braids good instead of terrible. Just don't play the Celestis. It's not good. Yeah, one of the neat things about uh, Kamigawa and the Un Dynasty, there's a bunch of artifacts now. <laughs> so people are playing a braids. Yeah. And uh, the Celestis is not good when your opponent can just destroy it for free. Also, <laughs> I remember when a braid was being reprinted and people were like, yeah, it's not going to be that good. It's just like kind of worse than all the other options because there are no artifacts in the format. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. welcome to one set later. A lot of these lists are playing Dragon's Fire over a braid. I mean, you can do what you want. I, I have been pretty happy with a braid and not felt like I've been in a lot of spots where I really needed to deal the four damage and could. So I, I've been pretty happy with it. Can can we take this opportunity talking about artifact decks to look at Yeoman's deck and then uh Yeah, Yeoman's deck is sweet. Uh, MJ23's deck from the challenge the following day. They have very different decks, but they're the same kind of idea. Uh they're both artifact synergy decks. Mm -hmm. So Yeoman's deck on Saturday, he got 16th. I uh, was playing a blue red deck, which is just like four rabbit batteries, a lizard braid, patchwork automaton, which is an artifact that gets plus one plus one counters whenever you cast artifact spells. Uh, then a bunch of tezzerets, and then just like all the artifacts, all the trash the artifacts, yeah, yeah, like experimental synthesizer, moonsnare prototype, reckoner bankbuster. That's the um, maze mind tome mm -hmm. vehicle, mind like mind link mech, yeah. Which is a combo with Lizard Blades yes. and Magda. Like having Magda is really important to have vehicles in your deck. Uh, this is the 4 3 vehicle that becomes a copy of the creature you crew, except for it stills a flying 4 3. Yes. And it can't copy a legendary creature, but it's just a combo with Magda because it's a vehicle that you can crew with Magda. Yeah, you can just tap Magda to make a treasure. And then Tezzeret, obviously, to have some sort of like top end yeah well and also like the tezzeret reckoner bankbuster synergy is nice you get to draw a card for free mm, what do you mean oh, 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 oh the uh the activated ability yeah reduction. yeah yeah you also get the channel cost on the snare prototype reduced which is highly relevant uh that was a bug why because it's not an artifact when it's in your hand. It's an artifact card. Oh, it's an artifact card. But it oh, okay. did work like that for a little bit. Yeah, I did see that happen. So yeah. I just kind of ran with it. Yeah. I guess no, whatever. That that makes sense that you would. And like <laughs> Moto thought that's how it worked too. So whoops. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, this deck is sweet. I'm into it. I don't. I think it's a like fun deck more than a like totally serious deck. Yeah, I don't think it really has the power necessary mm -hmm. like usually in these high synergy decks you want to really be competing with kind of as few cards as you need to have a powerful synergy that's stronger than like your opponent's individually good cards yeah and i don't think you cross the threshold with this deck like you're it doesn't matter how many artifacts you're throwing on the, the board it's it's so basically it's really... that our our four drop is tezzeret and it's not urza so yeah. it's not quite the payoff that you would hope for here
you you could have some of the really crazy modern legal artifact payoff cards and you could probably make this thing work but those aren't in its format so mm-hmm. you've got to compete against like the goldspan dragon decks and the enchantment decks and even some of the blue control decks can be rather difficult especially since there's kind of like two camps and one of the camps is just playing a bunch of sweepers yes although i mean you do have some amount of protection from sweepers anytime you're playing like rabbit battery in particular is really nice to you know you attach it to a creature so it doesn't die to the sweeper the next thing that comes down it gives haste to it's it's pretty rough for sweeper based decks that's that's true if the sweeper is doomscar but not if it's farewell (laughs) yes that's correct (laughs) also just to note that one of the reasons that sweepers have come back in such force is i think a direct result of faceless haven being banned if yes you don't just die the turn after you cast your sweeper to the land they already have in play your sweepers are much better so i want to talk about mj's deck from the sunday challenge which is in a similar vein but it's very different uh this he actually got eighth or they actually got eighth uh blue white deck which is also artifact thing you got hotshot mechanics a pair of blue one-drop artifact flyers, uh, Network Disruptor and Silver Raven. Silver Raven, classic. Yeah. With Ingenious Smith and the Patchwork Automaton. So those are the two cards that grow every time you get an artifact. Boy, this is the base of every like blue-white modern artifact deck that I like hate to look at the list because I'm just like, this can't possibly win any matches. Just four portable holes for Ingenious Smith. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> And then uh, this person's playing the Black Staff of Waterdeep mm-hmm. and uh, Michiko's Reign of Truth, which are the huge artifact payoffs. Michiko's yes. Reign of Truth, I think, is incredibly strong. It's so good in these decks. And that's why I think this deck is a lot better than Yeoman's version. Though Yeoman's had some really cute synergies, especially with uh, Magna going on. Mm-hmm. I think Michiko's Reign of Truth is just so strong and provides you with such a quick clock. Uh, you get to, like, do your cute artifact stuff after you're like on your well on your way to killing them you don't have to do your cute artifact stuff and then try to kill them with it right you like put creatures on the board pump them up and then you start the artifacts energy stuff yes like yeah. with the patchworks and the ingenious myths i am not convinced that mech titan core is what you want but i could be i guess it the token is like a huge problem so i I don't know about Mac Titan Core. This is the two mana two four crew two vehicle that you can pay five and exile a bunch of artifact creatures or vehicles to make a ten ten with flying vigilance, trample, lifelink, and haste. <laughs> Good lord, that's a lot of keywords. It's one for each color. It's perfect. Uh, which I guess I don't. It it is weird because it's a weak card, but you also have all these network disruptors and silver ravens in your deck, which are garbage. Mm-hmm. So like unless know, you're pumping turning... them with Michiko's Reign of Truth, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Pumping those or turning those into a tent and Voltron doesn't seem like the worst thing. And you do get all your stuff back if they do deal with the token. So it's not I mean, you know, you spend a whole turn paying five and getting rid of your stuff and attacking. Like you gotta be pretty certain you're at least getting an attack in. But like it does have haste. Act you know, it's probably not the worst thing in the world if people don't see it coming. Yeah, I, I I like this deck. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those decks where I don't think it can be a titan of the format. Sure. It's, like Mono White, I believe, is also in this challenge. Yeah, I got third. 
and that's just a deck we know is strong and plays like so many good three drops especially mm-hmm. where the synergy is just like i'm gonna kill you now <laughs> yes <laughs> so as long as you can like get that kind of return with not as much work i, I don't think this deck can ever be there but i do think michiko's reign of truth is definitely a card to be on the lookout for like as every artifact gets printed it's a huge payoff one thing to note though is anytime you are playing an artifact deck you are setting yourself up especially an aggressive artifact deck like this you are setting yourself up to get blown out by prismari commands and i think currently the is it decks are running more prismari commands than they should and i don't think rewarding them for that choice is necessarily the best place to be yeah that's fair uh, let's see, what else do we want to talk about here? Do you want to finally talk about the enchantment deck we've been referencing so much? No, we haven't gotten to Sunday yet. Do you want to go to Sunday? We can go to Sunday. Uh, just to note that Faceless Haven has, you know, its chokehold on demanding that your aggressive deck be monocolored is medium lifted. So- several of the decks that would have been mono green aggro decks are gruel decks now, mostly green splashing for Halana and Elena partners and that card particularly if you buff it somehow is just like absolutely disgusting when it's giving like three or four plus one plus one counters to stuff on each combat but I don't know how much staying power the four drop that gets abraded has so I I do see people playing Reckless Storm Seeker to like buff Halana and Elena Mm -hmm. which is cute it is really good yeah when it works it's really good I do, though, I, I will say I really like Tamiyo's safekeeping, mm-hmm. just in general as a card. This is kind of like a blossoming defense in this format now. Uh, target creature, or target permanent you control, gains Hexproof and Indestructible, and you gain two life. Yep. Another reason to be casting Farewell as your sweeper in this format. <laughs> Yet another one. I mean, the six mana cost is the main reason to not be casting Farewell in this format, but, you know. I think the decks playing farewell do have a lot of tools to keep themselves alive early though right and those super grindy decks like the enchantment deck that yes we can talk about now you know you get time to get to your six mana and and annihilate them in against decks like that and against the the black decks so farewell i think does have a place in this format so ccr yes what's the enchantment deck okay so there's a couple there's a very mid-rangey like green white deck that's not really the one we are talking about uh as you know i don't get to sound smart unfortunately because as i was going through lists and stuff i was looking at the various enchantment decks and i thought wow this runes deck just seems like by far the better version of the enchantment deck huh and then i flipped over to the sunday challenge and the sunday challenge was all the only enchantment decks that showed up were the runes deck. It did extremely well, put three in the top eight, and no other Jukai naturalist decks. But I have no way to prove that I totally thought that that was true before seeing the Sunday results and maybe subconsciously absorbed that the runes deck was good from like Twitter or something. But it was satisfying to me if it was not satisfying to anybody else. Uh, the runes deck is very, very powerful. This is... Cheap creatures, generous visitor, a one mana spirit. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. Jukai Naturalist, which is the goblin electromancer for your enchantments. Which also has lifelink. It does also have lifelink. So one of the things about this deck is you have access to a ton of life gain. 
so you don't get drained out by meat hook massacre and things like that like a mono red deck has a really hard time existing in a format where this deck is just gaining 10 15 life at a pop yeah it is a big deal uh you have runeforge champion a kaldheim special that makes your runes cost one generic mana and gives you one free to your hand and Kami of Transience is a grizzly bear with trample. Whenever you cast an enchantment spell, put a plus one plus one counter on it. At the beginning of each end step, if you had an enchantment die, you get to return it to your hand. And then it just plays a bunch of runes, showdown of the scalds, uh, commune with spirits, and uh, just has some very combo turns. It's really easy to make some super tall runeforge champion or Kami of Transience with lifelink and trample and kill him with it it's not rare to have like two generous visitors and two showdown of the skulls triggers and just cast three or four runes in a turn and they each give four plus one plus one counters to a thing and that thing has lifelink so yeah and if it, the red one even gives haste so yes if you you can kind of surprise get a bunch of damage out of nowhere yes so this is a pretty polarized deck in that you cannot beat it on board it's not possible no number of shambling gas and eye twitches you can't chump block a 22 22 trample it doesn't work and i think that this play pattern has largely pushed out the like sacrificey black decks that rely on chump blocks to keep it alive that play a wedding announcement and it's really hard to kill me through a token every single turn until i like you know you can't block the trampler you can't meet hook massacre a 22 22 a lot of the cards in the sacrifice deck don't work against it. You're left just hoping to draw like enough rights of oblivion and which is a great card, very good card in this format, but not enough to keep up with this. I also really enjoy the addition of Hallowed Haunting in this deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a card that does nothing without enchantments. <laughs> it's a two, a four mana enchantment. Whenever you cast an enchantment, you get a, a white spirit creature with power and dungeons equal to the number of enchantments or equal to the number of spirits, right? Yeah. Which gener- generous visitor spirit. Yeah. Generous visitor is a spirit. So is Kami of Transience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as long as you control seven or more enchantments, all the creatures you control have flying and vigilance. But, you know, probably if you control seven or more enchantments, you're doing pretty good. But yes, it, it, well, it just yeah. makes a lot of creatures. Sometimes you don't, it makes a lot of bodies. Like yeah. if they can wrath you and it didn't get rid of all of everything, mm-hmm. like Farewell does, yes. <laughs> you can rebuild kind of just along the way. Yes. This card just does it. As long as you can cast your first enchantment. And one of the weaknesses of this deck, I've definitely against the, if your opponent's playing creatures on the board, you're fine. If your opponent is playing Stormcarve Coast, and they have a handful of removal spells, there's trouble ahead. If the situation is you have Hollowed Haunting in play, but no creatures, you can cast runes on your lands. They have enchant permit. Oh, that's true. Because you they have the thing where you can enchant equipments with them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That actually makes this deck a lot better than that. So, yeah. I mean, it doesn't come up ever. It's just that situation. You have no creatures and you have a hollowed haunting. It also lets you cycle your runes when you don't have a creature in play, and that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. But you you can just fire runes off whenever you want. It looks weird, but you can do it. Yes. For some reason in my head, because all of the auras in 
Neon Dynasty or vehicle. Or, right, enchant creature or artifacts so you can put them on a vehicle. But yeah, these they didn't have that technology quite yet, so you can totally put these on lands. Yeah, so I mean that that does help, but you still have I need to cast this aura on my creature, but they have two mana up and their deck is full of abrades or dragon fires. Can I do this? So it you can certainly win against the Izzet decks, but it can be really hairy, and if they've built to beat you then there's definitely trouble. And your main sub goal in the games is like, I just got to resolve these showdowns of the Skelds. And that has to be what happens. And it's a fine plan B. Showdown is a great card, but it can be very frustrating playing this deck if your opponent keeps killing your creatures. Uh, it's also difficult. Like Kami of Transients is super sweet. It keeps coming back and it's really cool. Like if it has an aura on it and it dies, then that counts for the enchantment dying. So it comes back. But if you have a copy of transients in your graveyard and a handful of runes, you don't really have a way of getting those runes into your graveyard to get your copy of transients back. So you're just kind of like, here's the trick. Stuck. Oh, wait, no, that's stupid. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say you could enchant your showdown. But when the showdown dies, you yeah, get the copy back that, anyway. That counts, that counts just fine. <laughs> And and resolving the showdown is really the goal anyway. Yeah. You're doing okay as, as long as you did that. Goldspan Dragon stuff can be a serious problem for this deck. But anybody doing creatures on board, you are bigger than. And you even if they like start getting under you, at some point you make a large lifelinker that they can't the really deck also so scary early with some draws mm -hmm. like sometimes you just have two generous visitors yep and you get so quickly outpaced yeah yeah generous visitor really strong the hands with generous visitor are a lot better than the hands with because yeah, it fills course. in gives you a free spell where you would have passed the turn otherwise on turn one jukai naturalist also i think is a defining thing in this format that you should adjust your removal suite to keep in mind because you can't let anybody untap with Goblin Electromancer, and that's what it is in this deck. This deck operates like a Storm deck on a lot of its turns, so you can't give them Electromancer. I also think Commune with Spirits, that's the cantrip they have, mm -hmm. is really important for this deck. Yes. It also lets you get Jukai Naturalist, because that's an enchantment. Mm -hmm. And I think this card will allow the enchantment deck to exist after the runes rotate. Because most of the cards are just in Kamigawa. Yeah. I mean, you do need... I mean, there will be some version sure. of an enchantment deck. It might yeah. be like a Michiko's Reign of Truth type deck or something like that. But but like Generous Visitor, Jukai Naturalist, and Communion Spirits, I think are so good. Yes. That you can... Those cards are like a good core. If you... After the rune package is already gone, you can still do your thing. Yeah. Uh, and one of the reasons the deck is so good when they are not just killing off your creatures is if you ever assemble Jukai Naturalist plus Runeforge Champion, your runes actually cost zero mana. So if this is a showdown of the Skald's turn or you have a generous visitor in play, those are the turns where you go from like real medium board to here's my 15-15 lifelink trample attacking you. So this deck would be very bonkers if like one more of its creatures were an enchantment because a lot of times you are casting the commune and really hoping to hit Jukai Naturalist just so you can cast a creature. And if like generous visitor were an enchantment, this deck would be completely bonkers. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think that's probably why it's not. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, you'd get more than just the commune with spirit synergy out of an one of these creatures also triggering all of your enchantment stuff. But if commune with spirits could hit 
more creatures in this, then the deck would be really, really consistent and, and scary, even scarier than it is. And that is one place where at least, you know, loses a little bit. <sighs> other other decks on Sunday. Anything you had your eye on? Uh, well, just to note that Is It didn't do quite as well on Sunday. It didn't dominate. It didn't dominate. It did win, but it didn't have like five versions in the top eight. So I, I'm sure, you know, some of these runes decks had to beat Is It decks on their way there, and they did. There were still plenty of copies of various Is It decks hanging around. It's not going anywhere. The cards are too good. I just enjoy the top four of this Sunday challenge because it's Is It, like we've seen forever, mm-hmm. Naya Enchantments, which is the new deck, the rune mm-hmm. deck we were just talking about, then Mono White and Mono Green. It's <laughs> just like. Who needs Faceless Haven? Like, oh yeah, these these cards we printed are just really good. Why does the mono white aggro have a snowflake next to the name? Because goldfish is garbage. <laughs> like, they don't name decks. <laughs> have you looked at any of the modern results? Okay. You might as well okay, just take the, the names off. The snowflake is really confusing to me. I mean, they can still play snow cover lands, I guess, if they want to lose to Adeline. But not Adeline. What's the one? Uh, Redain. Redain. Yeah, but this does not have. St- Snowlands in it. It has 19 planes in it. Yeah, I looked at that before I said it. <sighs> Weird. Is Redain a snow creature? Or is it just a normal creature? It's just... not a Redain in this deck. Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah, it's just a regular creature. It hates snow. <sighs> Isn't Yorn the, the like snow god? He's a snow creature, right? Or is he just a snow artifact? Uh, no, he's a snow creature. Yeah, mono green, invoke the agents as it's five drop only a couple of copies of that two copies of just bear sentinel and then two tangle floor he should to go along with it sculptor of winter oh it is playing two ren and seven so f- four total five drops leaning more towards blizzard rolls than snakeskin veils it's just the normal stuff generally same same good cards no faceless haven they're still good yeah <laughs> still fine without mono green being a huge part and like one of the main couple of threats you generally are not as incentivized to run fading hopes i don't think anybody's running four fading hopes anymore and that really does benefit this deck when you can just cast an old growth troll and know that it's not going to get bounced to your hand then the deck is a lot better can we talk about croquis's tournament because i don't think the sunday challenge has too much more other than what we've already talked about well there is the ninth place deck in the Sunday challenge is Esper Super Friends. Yes. With just Four straight the Wandering up Emperor, two Nico Eris. 14 Planeswalkers in it. I mean, I don't know really what to say about this deck, except that it does make a lot of sense, actually, as a almost like lazy way of exploiting the metagame. It's like a, I don't want to think about this too much. I believe sweepers are good. What can I play with sweepers? I guess just a lot of planeswalkers. And then this deck just has three doom scars and four farewells. So <laughs> when you cast farewell for all modes, it wipes out everything but planeswalkers and lands. So I'll make my deck 14 planeswalkers and it'll be fine. And I'm sure that Mandrel Man ate up some Naya runes players on his way to ninth place yeah this is a deck i don't have the stomach for like i i like it in theory mm-hmm. but in practice 
Like, it's a good thing these marches exist because I'm spewing cards off to keep myself alive <laughs> for turn four. <laughs> uh, March of Otherworldly Light is a card that not as much in standard, but some in standard control decks has, has seen some play, but has started, like, making the rounds in various formats. Yeah, it's the fifth prismatic in decks that need a fifth prismatic. <laughs> I think Nassif played one in the, uh, the last time, I think the Saturday Challenge. In one of his like control piles, mm-hmm. yes, you can play a little bit of whatever reactive thing you want to slide into there. But yes, why don't we talk about the Kirkies tournament now? Huge tournament, whatever size it was. It was five hundred eighty-ish players. Okay. I looked it up. All right, uh, yeah. So I believe the winner was that Jess guy combo deck. Zan, I know, got second place. This Esper deck that he played, I believe, is. This is almost the platonic ideal of a Zan deck, I think, because it is incredibly grindy, just composed of like a dozen micro decisions every turn and completely targeted towards the meta at that exact moment. And like two days later is unplayable. (laughs) Yes. And this is the day before the enchantment stacks came up. (laughs) It also has one of my favorite cards from Kamigawa, which is Spirited Companion. Yes, yeah, and Spirited Companion actually has been seeing a lot of play, in particular in the pre-rune enchantment deck, the, like, very grindy one that often, you know, is playing, like, a Restoration of a Ganjo and maybe a Mishigo's Reign of Truth and stuff. Uh, so seeing play there, it is very good when you have a Jukai Naturalist in play to cast this thing for one mana. But here, Zan is just using it as an Elvish Visionary to fuel various sacrifice effects and things like that. The deck was definitely really good for that day and for, you know, the couple of days leading up to it. But I don't believe that you are allowed to grind in quite this way anymore, given the the place the format is heading. Yeah, if, if the Enchantment decks lean away from being as popular as they are, you can maybe get back to Wedding Announcement, Miko Massacre stuff. Mm-hmm. But right now, the Super Friends Esper deck looks a lot more palatable than this one. Yes. Because <laughs> this is still an iTwitch Shambling Gas deck. Right. And basically, I think this was built to win mirrors as long as you play better than your opponent. And Kaito Shizuki is a, a pretty big part of that. You know, pseudo mirrors. Not a lot of people were playing the Esper deck. And then it also had just a very strong sideboard plan for is it matchups. You start out with four malevolent hermits in your deck. And then in the sideboard, Zen has check for traps and go blanks. And, you know, is just able to shift into this like denial plan. And if this type of grinding is good, then this type of deck is good. But I don't think we're in that spot anymore. Yeah, I, I agree. I also noticed that the the exact same Esper Planeswalker deck from the Sunday Challenge, exact same 75, got third in this tournament. <laughs> Which means either this is the same person or that the Sunday player who got ninth just straight up copied their deck. Yes. No it's... one comes to these numbers independently. <laughs> <laughs> the four March of Otherworldly Light, two March of Wretched Sorrow, one Negate, one Sunset Revelry, two Vanishing Verse. One Katos, the, the Silent spider, spider, just in the main. That's the creature. <laughs> Katose? I don't know. Yes. That's the one that, like, surgical is your opponent, and then you can cast one of them as long as yes. you control those. 
but you have to have the creature in play otherwise you can't cast it anymore. yes but you, it's not like you uh, still surgical them you still surgical them for <laughs> yep. five mana everyone loves surgical <laughs> it reminds me of the the meme uh magic players will always say they have a plan for the matchup then sideboard and surgical extraction <laughs> <laughs> You can't thought seize me to death if I surgical all your thought seizes. Unless you get the surgical with the first thought seize, but that's it. That's the only way. Broken. Yeah, this tournament does have a fair number of Shambling Ghast or Eye Twitch decks in it. So that, that seems to be, you know, this was on Saturday, and that does seem to be where this format was. There are some runes decks, like if you scroll through it you definitely see some runes decks but you know i'm seeing seven in this oh geez we do have all of them oh good i think this tournament was this tournament started early in the morning and continued throughout the day Mm -hmm. so and that standard challenge just started in the morning and finished pretty early because there weren't that many players i i imagine people saw the runes deck in this tournament or just on ladder people started playing it and then just adopted it in mass for sunday yeah and and basically even though it didn't do like incredibly well in this tournament it is more represented higher up in the standings and as you like click through to later pages it gets like thinner and thinner of of the runes deck so i think it it was pretty good for this tournament but especially against removal spells you can run into the problems and it didn't take over this tournament okay so uh, this is probably a, a MTG melee problem. This is the problem with uh, one of the problems with MTG melee. People are allowed to name their own deck lists. <laughs> so in fifty sixth place, as I was just clicking through deck lists, someone's playing mono white werewolves. Uh, Obviously, the only white werewolf I can think of is Brutal Cathar because that's just the only one in existence. Well, they got four in here. So I click it, and it's just a mono white deck, mm-hmm. plain as could be. <laughs> People should not be allowed to name their their decks. No, they only abuse it. Yes, this like green white runes deck has named itself Selesnia Agro. I guess this is Selesnia. I'm runes. fine with That's any fine. color combination plus uh, archetype that like kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's when you get to like you know eight color slivers or whatever. It's just <laughs> all right. You need to calm down there. I'm just looking at this Naya Aggro deck with four main deck Tamios safekeeping in it. Goodness, that's so many Tamios yeah. safekeeping. <laughs> I mean, I do like the card, but geez. This deck is sweet, though. Three welcoming vampires. Ooh. Oh, it doesn't work with your Tamios safekeeping, though. I mean, kind of. You can protect it. Yeah, you can protect it. Uh, it works with your, like, creatures that are bigger than they say on the tin you've got reckless storm seekers and halana and elena partners brutal cathars luminarch aspirant and hopeful and like all these things like get real big but they start out drawing you a card this deck's cute yeah i think people are doing some cute stuff in standard right now <laughs> but i don't know i hope it continues i think there's a lot of cool cards in kamigawa neon dynasty yes one thing this is probably going off topic a little bit but one thing i would actually really like to see in standard sets as they come out is more really niche or build around cards Mm -hmm. which we just like don't see ever anymore Mm -hmm. the closest thing we have a build around card standards is goldspan dragon (laughs) i mean i would categorize like 
multiple of the cards in the enchant in the runes deck is built yeah the naturalist deck yeah. i think that's a good i, I like that deck yeah because yeah. it's got a unique strategy and like points of attack I, I like that a lot yeah but there's just not they don't print a lot of those anymore sure. they're like priced to move yeah yeah that makes sense but i i think we actually saw several in neon dynasty like a bunch of the artifact cards are, are kind of in this Michiko's you know, reign of truth yeah Michiko's reign of truth like tezzeret you're only playing that if you're like kind of using a lot you know you got you got to have your bank busters to get that discount you got to have stuff to turn into creatures like i i think that kamigawa has done a pretty decent job of that at least like giving you things to brainstorm around yeah i i want to see i want to see more yeah way more. no i get it i i totally get what you're saying yeah but I mean, that's that's like a pipe dream. I I, I think standards in a pretty good place right now, mm-hmm. as far as like standard environments are concerned. Uh, maybe it gets out of hand with the dichotomy of is it and enchantments, and then the monocolored decks. But it hasn't yet, mm-hmm. and people are still playing around with stuff like the Naya deck you talked about, like Zan's deck he played that one day, and can't play again, <laughs> <laughs> or even like some of the artifact decks we talked about earlier. Yeah, I would love to see also some anvil decks i think that this enchantment oh oni kill yeah some some oni kill anvil decks but generally anything that's like banking on draining your opponent out of the game and setting up that kind of inevitability is really hurt by the way the runes deck can just gain a billion life very quickly and you know you're not meat hook massacring anybody to death once they put rune of sustenance on something with a generous visitor in play so you gotta find another way of killing your opponents only cool anvil is a card i quite like but i think it's yeah i've seen a lot more modern play than standard play (laughs) (laughs) and we will talk which i'm not sure exactly what we're gonna end up talking about next week hopefully some modern uh we're going to have dom on to talk about Mostly Kappa Cannoneer is the main reason that I, I messaged him to see if he wanted to come and hang out. But I, I assume we'll talk about several topics near and far, including the money turtle. Yeah, that that, that card is... I've seen a lot more uh, play with it, or screenshots too. Mm-hmm. And it's just wild, some of the stuff. I saw a... Yeah, this is Legacy. Someone went turn two collector oof with a deafening silence in play and just could not win just did not stand a chance against <laughs> kappa cannoneer i'll just because you can play artifact lands in that format kappa cannoneer triggers itself for some reason like yeah it, what strange templating that it triggers itself no other yeah, it's just like grinding station yeah that's <laughs> true i guess but yes it says four four on it but it is a five five you, it's just you could like fire blast it in response to the trigger i guess if you have four mana <laughs> five mana oh fire blusher yeah nope it's about That's not gonna happen. yeah it's the most mana efficient way to kill it is with a fire blast you can't nobody's ever had five mana in legacy you can't swords it it's not possible nope can't uh uh, red elemental blast it or blue elemental blast it yeah red you can <laughs> it's just immortal you can blast it while it's on the stack that's about the only way to get it but it's so cheap yes it is very it cheap. Is a mana yes yeah i 
I am interested in saying like I'd be way more hype about this card like messing up legacy but it sucks that it's messing up legacy and costs like a hundred ticks I don't even know if it's messing up legacy like it didn't do well in one of the we can't know right like but like less than 10% of the population even has slight access to it yeah and that sucks for sure did we want to answer a question yeah so someone asked a question in our patreon uh discord it was prodigal engineer asked this a couple weeks ago we were busy with the start review and then forgot but we got you this week of the last 10 sets so from war the spark forward but not kamigawa because we would both answer that i think which one did you like best and why and least and why do so you want to spark to crimson vow yeah no you should start because i don't want to influence your answer okay kamigawa is making like a big run at it but it is excluded from this question i think so that's war of the spark m20 yeah M21. no I'm, I'm just thinking through it i'm telling for the podcast okay people too fair enough <laughs> akoria or elcoria eldrain theros uh, the two Innistrad sets, Strixhaven's Indicar, and Kaldheim. All right, so I just like want to give shout-outs to some of the stuff that I have loved. Your runner-ups. Just just like individual things that like make have made the set stand out. Uh, so War of the Spark creating a Planeswalker-based limited format was really, really cool and like quite innovative, and that limited format was very fun to play. Throne of Eldraine will forever only be remembered for being completely busted, but aesthetically, very cool. Card designs, a lot of really good stuff in there. Adventures are cool. They just made them too good. And the cards were already good. They didn't need to make cards that made them, that called them out and made them better. Ikoria was neat. The limited format was fun, but m- marred by the cycling deck existing the dog yeah and and just kind of fundamentally broken by that zendikar rising let's never let's just stop going back to zendikar i don't think that i think that well is is dry at this point kaldheim this is gonna be my okay hold on uh I'll, we'll get to kaldheim last because it's gonna be my pick uh strixhaven eh, there's some fun stuff i wish they had like really focused the story of the, the cards more on the like it, it's weird that there was like a demon storyline too and the set just kind of like was underpowered and the cards uh didn't quite perform but mystical archive just like one of the best things that they've done putting it on historic is super weird but was kind of great uh but i i did love the archive and i would say that kaldheim is my favorite set of this past couple of years of cards the limited format I adore, despite the fact that I played the same deck in like 80% <laughs> of my drafts, but I just love drafting the five color snow deck. It was different every time, and it was like a neat puzzle to solve every single time. And, you know, sometimes I was in something else, but generally I was taking the 04 priest and I was, you know, doing nonsense card advantage stuff and it gave me the types of games that I really like to play and just the the visuals the snow stuff the gods there was just enough cool stuff going on and I just appreciated a a lot of the stuff going on in Kaldheim and whenever like Kaldheim cards are becoming the basis for decks and standard I like 
get a little bit like i love that runeforge champion is now like one of the better cards in standard the seekers chariot's been there for a while i too. yeah that one it, i don't i really like the art on that card though it is great like, art it's, it's very wholesome they're the fuzziest cats i've never for seen a fuzzier cat side note i think it's really funny that the first vehicles on arena were the ixalan pirate ships and stuff and so now the crew sound on arena is still the steering a, steer- wheel. <laughs> a steering wheel no matter what you're crewing so when you crew a seeker's chariot a, a squeaky pirate steering wheel comes on i'm driving a chariot pulled by two cats why is this the sound effect that is weird because kaladesh was on the beta right i guess they just never put a sound to it i don't think there was a vehicle sound and then ixalan was the first actual vehicle set on there so that's what we got everything's a pirate ship all right at least it works for the weather light (laughs) what was your least favorite set my least favorite set was it's got i mean it has to be either theros or zendikar rising i guess the fact that theros made me deal with uro so much makes it my least favorite set that's probably it all right i guess i'll just do the rundown like you yeah so war this park uh, kind of ambivalent towards this one. Mm-hmm. I do not hate it nearly as much as like a lot of the people who complain about like the starting of the the fire thing with war. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was that bad or whatever. If Teferi were did, not in War of the Spark, we'd have almost like it wouldn't have anywhere close to the reputation that it does. Like that, yeah. most of the War of the Spark hate I think can be traced back to Teferi. Well, initially, Narset was super duper annoying because of the rules around it, where you <laughs> like thought seized your opponent in paper if they forgot yeah. Narset, <laughs> which was absurd. Yeah, they fixed not that. great. But I, I did really, really, really enjoy the limited format. Mm-hmm. I think it's it, it's not like an all time great or anything for me. It was just unique, and I liked it. Yes, yeah. Uh, when Emma Handy's or now Carmen Handy, her proliferate cube when on magic online mm-hmm. it had a lot of the same like war the spark yeah vibe yeah. which is which was really neat i like the sort of like playing with different resources going on in limited right and, and specifically the like minus only planeswalkers are a really neat addition to the limited format for me yeah i also love planeswalkers with static abilities mm-hmm. i think they're just good yes like some of some static abilities shouldn't exist on planeswalkers like right. to fairies but that's different from just like static abilities being good the prison abilities not great the you know domri giving your creatures plus one plus oh fine <laughs> except or tezzeret making or effect cheaper yeah. you know like that's just good it, it should have been done a long long time ago but they saved it and i'm glad we have it mm-hmm. throne of Eldraine was a set i actually quite like mm-hmm. i think adventures were the some of the most fun i've had playing magic in like a long time mm-hmm. but it got old pretty quick <laughs> yeah and the fact that adventures was the best deck in standard for most of the time that it was legal is rough for basically the entire time after oko was banned yeah. adventures like the best deck, the best deck yep. or the best part of any deck Adventures are really cool. I really like them. There's a card in Modern Horizons 2. I don't remember the name of it. It's a three mana green enchantment that is whenever you, at the end of your each turn, if you cast a creature and a non-creature spell, you get a clue, a treasure, and a food. Mm-hmm. That card just seems like it should have been in Throne of Eldraine, 
because it works so well with adventures and i wish we had seen more of like that kind of payoff deal where you could like build a deck where you're not mm. just like getting insane value off of bouncing your opponent's creature like three one yeah. <laughs> like those just two really good things on their own also edgewall innkeeper being one mana yeah just draw a card copy a spell the the adventure package was absurd but the cards and the like modality of adventures was really cool also the flavor mm-hmm. like giant killer is a super cool card and the legacy of it that remains getting to play brazen borrower in your modern deck is really cool i i love brazen borrower in modern yeah mostly when i see brazen borrower in modern it's in a cascade deck and i hate cascade all right decks. i mean that's fair if you have that particular but i love the juke brazen borrower where it's like oh man they've got me locked out here here's a three one here's a three one i'm gonna kill you this way and when it works it's just like very satisfying and i appreciate that legacy of elgerain being like allowing me to do that theros beyond death i do not like theros Mm -hmm. it's one of my least favorite places we ever go to in magic (laughs) and honestly most of that's because it's like wasted potential plus i hate monocolor incentives which theros always has they set up a greek mythology plane that is basically just here's your favorites from greek mythology let's not actually do anything with them right it's really boring like one of the cool things about kaldheim is that the like the the nordic gods Mm -hmm. they're all just like folk Mm -hmm. they run around they can die yeah they have different stuff that they're doing and the the flavor of here's the god here's their thing is like those are just beautiful designs they're really good where Theros is, especially for the very first Theros blog, it was like, all right, here's Kiora. This is your enchantment that eventually kills them. <laughs> it's not neat at all. <laughs> not Kiora, whatever her name is. Thassa. See, I can't even know. I can't even remember the name of the stupid gods. Oh, see, I was uh, thinking you were talking about Kiora, best the sea god, but uh, no, I, the I, actual Thassa. I, I see what you mean. Yeah, the here, here's your enchantment. It turns into an indestructible creature. They die to it when when you meet the requirement yeah so i don't like theros in general i don't like theros beyond death but i love underworld breach so this can't be my least favorite set (laughs) see the thing is though underworld breach utter failure of like magic the gathering design exist absolutely (laughs) what were they thinking i love playing with it it is easy to come behind and see the card that like we all flipped out about and then it was in many formats just as good as we thought it was going to be but i do want them to take risks and make neat stuff but just maybe not like better yogwill yogwill doesn't get played in vintage anymore you only play breaches in those decks like so remember song of creation in akoria it's the team range yeah exactly exactly and we all thought it was going to be busted yeah, that card is super cool. If you don't know what it does, that's okay. You're proving my point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's got a lot of really cool text on it. Mm-hmm. And that was like the... We saw that card after Breach. And Breach was the first one where I'm like, oh, I'm so glad they're printing these like super risky cards. And it ended up like the tricolor four mana enchantment wasn't as good as the monocolor two color two two mana enchantment. Surprising, but like, who could yeah. have seen that coming? Mm-hmm. 
I'm I think Akoria is my favorite of the of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Just because I really like the enemy wedges. Okay. I, like I missed cons of Tarkir like completely when we went to that. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I, I played the limited format a, a few times uh, throughout each of the sets, but I never really engaged with the cards or anything. I'd never played Siege Rhino a constructed tournament in my life. Sure. Like I didn't even start playing standard again. <laughs> and part of the reason I missed cons of Tarkir was because I hated Theros so much. I just stopped playing Magic for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cons was right after Theros. I did. I started playing Magic again back when collective company was good and all the cons and fate reforged cards have just rotated out so i really liked seeing the the wedge stuff yeah in Akoria. i think it was really well implemented i love mutate i like companions i actually do but i don't want that i don't want them to be like constructed viable right i just think they're neat they're Companions are great when they make you do weird things in limited or you get to put them in your cube or whatever they're really bad when it is some large percentage of modern decks are fulfilling Luris's requirements. Yeah, I I think companions are cool, and I'm glad they tried them as like a casual thing. But they made Luris way too powerful, and well, and they also made the original companion rule, which just would have been completely untenable. Regardless. Yeah, of course. So. But I, I do actually like companions. I think they're neat. Lutri, especially. Very cute. I love Mutate. I just really like Akoria. It's got a bunch of cool colors and stuff. Yeah. I. So here's my problem with Akoria. And I love I love Mutate. I think there's a lot of cool cards in Akoria. And I think that I'm a little bitter that... All of the cool tricolor cards in Akoria that I do like just like very much were not good enough and were completely overshadowed by Eldraine stuff and by the companions in Akoria. And so now when I think of Akoria, all I really think about are the companions, even though like I played a lot of the limited format and I brainstormed a lot about the ran- the weird like tricolor enchantments and stuff but none of them ever really became a thing and maybe that's unfair to hold it against the set because there is cool stuff in there but my like lived experience of Akoria is basically like the cool cards are unplayable the companions are better than everything else and okay so this matches my experience with shards mm-hmm. where there are a lot of super cool cards and shards of Alara that were like tricolor and just too expensive or too tricolor <laughs> for uh, standard at the time. Yeah. And that was a weaker standard. Uh, I, I'm i fine with sets being like a little not geared or not a huge impact towards constructed mm-hmm. if it's different than what they're usually giving us. And we don't get tricolors. It's like ever right. pretty much. Because they like it's con- so hard for them to impact constructed. So. Yeah, it's really hard. Like tricolor cards, pretty much have to start at three mana. <laughs> That's which is like the end of where you can cast spells and construct it. So, so I I I'm willing to give like really hard themes to pull off and constructed impact like a little head start. Mm-hmm. And I like a lot of the cards in Akoria, just like shards before it, I think are really cool in various kinds of cubes or the limited environment. And yeah it being fun enough in those spots makes Akoria just like my favorite that's fair i mean right it does have a lasting here are really cool cards to build cubes with 
sort of like life in Magic the Gathering. And Commander decks. Yeah. There was a, a bunch of Commander product for Aquaria that was one of the Commander sets. And there's a lot of cool cards in that Commander set. That's where uh, Ethereal Forager came from. Yeah. Uh, similarly, Shard's block was a load-bearing block for Commander for like seven or eight years or something like that. Yeah, all of the Alara Reborn, that's where Earl of the Mistalka came from, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was just like had a bunch of legendary creatures in it for some reason. Yeah. They were cool. Sharoom the Hegemon was like one of the original like commanders that people would rule zero out of their games. It's too strong. No, thank you. I don't want to play against that anymore. Right after Akoria Zendikar. Zendikar's garbage. I hate Zendikar. It's pretty bad. I, I actually don't mind the Zendikar setting in general, but they just it just doesn't work anymore. Like the first Indicar was good because I I liked the first Indicar because I really liked quests and that was when Fetchlands came out in enemy colors for the first time. So there's a bunch of fun, cool stuff to do with that in standard. But now that you can't print Fetchlands ever, you've learned that's a mistake. <laughs> and that they've refused to go back to like quest stuff. They're just like dealing with all the auxiliary stuff where like allies are gone now they just like don't exist we're doing party stuff now which is not allies at all but that was really popular in the first indicar so we're like knocking it off here yeah and, and then, creating a weird tease for the dungeons and dragons set that doesn't use the party mechanic and then here's a, a bunch of equipment stuff which we kind of support in the first indicar or like core outfitter and such mm-hmm. grappling hook but they're like pretty depressed and weak and you don't want to ever look at them for too long <laughs> And then we have like 40 cards named Skyclave that do nothing similar to each other (laughs) because of the story, which is also completely garbage. I believe that. I have no idea what happens in Zendikar. It it doesn't even matter. I'm not even going to tell you. (laughs) You're better off not knowing. You're happier. Oh, that's why I haven't read any of it. I, I think I'm much better off blissfully unaware of the magic story in general. Zendikar Rising is... A really bad set. It's just not even interesting. <laughs> yeah. That, and that's the biggest sin that a set can possibly have, right? Is if it's just boring. Like, what what cards do I like in Zendikar Rising? I'm trying to figure out one just, like, off the top of my head. The ones that come to mind are Skyclave Apparition, which is a generic white removal spell. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good one, but... All of the Skyclaves, which is a card I do like. You're just going to name just all the Skyclave cards. cards. That are Skyclave. <laughs> Like, that's the problem. Every card is named Skyclave in the set. (laughs) Like, the DFCs that were lands are neat. That's, like, the only thing the set did Mm -hmm. different or well. Yeah. But other than that, And I don't know. I think it's probably good that they did them because they are interesting and they open up avenues. But I'm not totally confident that now having zero land belcher and oops all spells (laughs) is like a great result i'm not super confident that like one of i think a huge reason that is it decks are so good is because you get to load your deck up with spikefield hazards and jawari disruptions is that really strong great i don't know oh i'll give zendikar rising one piece of credit pathways i think pathways are the best lands i go that's fair in a really, really long time. Pathways, they knocked it out of the park with those, yeah. But sure. those are also in Kaldheim, so we'll just give that to Kaldheim <laughs> instead. <laughs> Which is it's a fine set. I don't I don't really have anything against Kaldheim. I like the flavor and the art a lot. Mm. Probably the best in that year. Uh, but it it also has some super neat cards, like Virgie, that I really like. Yeah. 
there's some wonderful double-sided cards in particular in the set. And Halvar. Yeah, I think this is the set that did the double cards. Like, that whole three-set cycle, mm-hmm. the Zendikar, Strixhaven, and Kaldheim both had the double-faced stuff mm-hmm. where they were different. And I think Kaldheim was the only one to do it well <laughs> because, like, the Zendikar ones were simple, but they enabled the degenerate stuff like you were talking about. Uh, Kaldheim just was neat, like, where you had Halvar and his weapon or uh, Valky and and yeah tybalt Volky tybalt is a whole story in a card it's it's very cool which was really good for like a call time earth and nordic set because storytelling is a huge part of that culture yeah yeah good point just like greek but they don't convey that at all <laughs> through theros. No, they really don't <laughs> convey anything at all through theros the best thing you get from theros is that card that like you sacrifice a creature and then two come back the one you sacrificed and something else <laughs> It's like a black card from the first set. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Return to the underworld or something from the underworld. It, right, the it, one that's you get this, you get the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strixhaven. I like the Mystical Archive. The cards are pretty forgettable and wordy, which is not great. But the flavor of the school is nice. Yeah. Like I wish. I'm always in for like a more battle bond kind of chill set mm-hmm. where we're not trying to destroy the world or whatever. Yes. And Strixhaven was mostly that if not entirely like it wasn't entirely that but it was mostly that Mm -hmm. afr whatever who cares it's a very forgettable set probably like that has to just actually be my least favorite because as i was like trying to name least favorite i just forgot about it because i don't care about it at all it's just i know apparently DD people were happy with it I hated everything about it. I don't hate the set, but I just don't have any opinions of it. Like I'm, it wasn't very popular of a set towards non D and D players, mm-hmm. which is probably a failed metric. <laughs> also, it has and, the exact same set symbol as Midnight Hunt. Yeah, Midnight Hunt, a good. Well, no, no. In AFR, the wolf is facing down. Mm-hmm. It's a wolf now, and in Innistrad, the dragon is facing up. Uh, I literally like if I don't have two next to each other and you like just show me a card that just like has the type line, I'm just like I don't I just don't know what set it's from. Looking for unexpected windfall in my Innistrad box. <laughs> yes. Uh the both both of the Innistrad sets were great. They're just good Innistrad follow-ups. Yep. I think that's how I wish uh, Zendikar and Theros had gone, but those sets kind of suck, so just Innistrad all the way. Yeah, I mean, they also just don't have... I, I've never found Zendikar to be a particularly compelling world design. And obviously, like, Theros is really bad world building. So I don't know that they had that much to build on in the way that, like, the Innistrad sets always have, like, fun... Because all you have to do is, like, make gothic horror references, and then it's delightful. And there you go. I do think Kamigawa is my favorite if we were allowed to include it. God, but... it's so good. That's all. Yeah. Well, Well done to that team it's an in-depth question at the end of this episode i had fun yeah it's a whole year we didn't really go do like a a review year for this uh past year so there you go well yeah there's a few years in one yeah true i mean i've been saving my uh set review Mm -hmm. things to look back on (laughs) next year to see how like terribly wrong i was oh yeah i mean we're already we've already missed some stuff generous visitor did not make my green top five cards that's, yeah, I didn't even think about that nope. one. Which, you know, it cost one. Ma- I I did I did 
specifically go to the lower rarity very cheap cards in green you know i got i got the enchantment ponder on there Could so good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well we don't have to play the audio back i just want to yeah look at your list yeah, yeah. look at the list yeah yeah <laughs> well I, we ran through all the sets we don't have any more sets to go over yeah we're done great thanks everybody so much for listening we really really appreciate your time if you'd like to lend us some support head over to patreon.com slash mtg grindcast you can also find us on social media I am tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McLeo. Thanks so much and have a great week. Bye.